Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Spurs AATU Plus Podcast. I'm your host, CJ, and join me, as always, are my brothers, TJ. Hey guys. And JD. Hey yo. So, you know, today we are talking about the Spurs-Mavs games, and most importantly, the, the return, return of, of Tony, Tony Parker. Parker. Awesome. Alright, so let's just start with that right off the bat. What do you guys think of Tony's return? Wow. I mean, it was, it was about what I expected. Uh, I didn't... Uh, you know, he only got about six points, but he only played 14 minutes. So when yeah. you don't have that many well, minutes to play. Yeah, but think about the effect that he had with those 14 minutes while he was on the floor. He may not have had the points, but he was very clearly doing what Tony Parker does best. Oh, most definitely. I mean, I, I said it right off the bat. He, the Spurs, the front lineup, just the team in general, just has a different energy around them when Tony's in, when Tony's playing. They just, there's just something about the the chemistry and the movement and the the way they won the offense. It it just gels, you know. There's just something about it. When he's on the floor, he just brings them all together in a way that, quite frankly, we haven't seen witty since Tim Duncan retired. Honestly. Yeah, and I think the the biggest key to this game wasn't the points or even his assists, although he did get four assists. Considering he only had 14 minutes, very impressive. The fact that every time he was on the floor, he was the primary ball handler, and he had zero turnovers. Exactly. And that's something we've been struggling with consistently. So the fact that Tony's presence was there makes a whole world of difference. It really does. And it was just nice to have him back again, you know, because this team has been very, you know, we, we were kind of hitting the, uh, the point of diminishing returns with the way it stood now. So putting Tony mm-hmm. back in here is going to shake up the dynamic, allow people to grow better, allow uh, you know, some of the younger guys to have more confidence because now, now they know they don't have all that pressure on them to make up for Tony's slack. Now Tony's back and they're able to you know, just breathe a little easier. You know, It just makes for better basketball. It really does whenever you've got them having that, that assurance that there is the seniority there. And that's something that we've been, you know, even though he's been around, having that on the court does make a big difference, and that's something that's always been a major part of the Spurs' success. So definitely, definitely a good thing to see uh, Tony back on the floor, Um, and I believe that I won our little bet that we had before the game. That's right. I was actually going to bring that up. So before the game started, we had a little, you know, friendly bet. You know, we decided to see how many minutes Tony Parker would have. Um, I went for the super high, and I said around 25, 23. Way too much. Way too high. I went for what I thought was a nice middle ground of 19. And uh, I went for the more realist number. Of course, I also overshot it by a good three minutes, but I went for 17 minutes, give or take. Right. The actual minutes were 14 minutes and 8 seconds. Classic pop. I mean, let's be honest. When you really look at the way he plays... I, I said 25 just because traditionally Tony plays closer to the 28 minutes. Right. We knew he was going to get less than his traditional minutes. I just assumed that Pop might go a little crazy because, you know, it's it, they're still the Mavericks. They're still a bad team. Right. So I figured, you know, he'd let them let them do a little more out there because usually the minutes restrictions isn't a health thing, but it's more of a ga- getting his game back, getting back in rhythm. Right. And he looks like his rhythm was fine. No, for sure. And I he think, looked like he was in good shape for the most part, although there was one thing. Yeah, the the back thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's just uh, 
That's just athletes in general. Yeah. Everyone has that sometimes. Well, the other thing is that I think it's also because he hasn't been on the court. And one thing I do know for an absolute fact is that if you're not consistently running, that is the main thing that gets you is your spine. Right, right. And I'm not surprised he only got 14. I went high just because I wanted to go for the high, but... Right. I want to believe. Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised because... This this actually is more logical to slowly transition him back into his more regular minutes, especially when you've got Kyle Anderson and Dejounte Murray and Patty Mills able to right. pick up the slack. Because even though Patty hasn't been doing as well as of late, he's still good enough that with Tony there, he yeah, can... you're not going to be bleeding numbers while he's up out on the court. Exactly, not not with Tony here, and not exactly. with Dejounte, you know, growing and learning. So yeah, that was great to see Tony back. Let's talk about some of the other craziness that happened tonight. LaMarcus Aldridge. Oh, my God. He had a season-high 33 points. Mm. 13 of 19 field goals. Oh, yeah. 7 of 7 from the free throw. Delicious. 10 rebounds. 4 assists. 3 blocks. 2 steals. 0 turnovers, guys. Why you gotta do it that way, LaMarcus? 2 steals? Two steals. Lamarcus was doing everything tonight. He really, really was. And the thing about it is... He was making it look easy. It's not like he yeah. was even, like, exerting himself I mean, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, it was the Mavs. So, if he was going to go off on a team like that, this is exactly the kind of team he'd be able to do it on. And in fairness, he's leading the team in minutes for this game with 37 minutes. So, it's not like he only played so long but still that's impressive absolutely especially because he gave his all when he was on the court you know he never was he didn't need to either that's the thing this is the kind of game where you could totally cruise control but he didn't although some of that is because um and we'll talk about this when we get into the in-depth actual game analysis but um yeah let's just be real he 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 kind of had to step it up for a bit there yeah, the problem is that in the first half of the game, the Spurs were turning over the ball like nobody's business. They had like eight turnovers in the first half, which is not what you want. And to be clear, a lot of those were when Tony was not on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, looking at the main uh, turnover guys, yeah, Kyle Anderson with three turnovers, mm-hmm. Patty Mills with two, um, Manu with two, and... Uh, Let's see, which one's... Davis Bertans with two. Right. So you got the usual suspects of... You know, Manu's going to have a couple turnovers. That's just what he does. You know, he's Manu. It's part and of then, the package. You know, Kyle's still young-ish. You know, he he's not used to getting this kind of mitts. So when you're yeah. not used to this kind it's of It's part mitts, of the transition. Turnover's going to happen. Um, It'll get better later. Patty's still mostly our primary ball handler. So you're going to expect a couple turnovers there. And then mm-hmm. Davis Bertans... I've just come to expect this from him. This is just par for the course at this point. Yeah. You know, but that's just kind of, he, he's really, he's pretty much what I've always, I've never got to see Matt Bonner in his quote unquote prime. And when I say that, I mean, as a Spurs role player, like I, I got to see him on his tail end when he got super limited minutes and he was just kind of there to check up some threes near the end of games. That's kind of how I see Davis Bertans right now. Yeah. And, I don't know where his ceiling is. I think that he's got more potential. He's just not bringing it out yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took Kyle Anderson a while. So, you know, I'm not, like, rounding him off or anything. Right. 
but he is also a bit older because he has been playing in Eurobasket. So yeah, and that that does make a pretty big difference. We'll see where that goes with him. But no, yeah, Lamarcus was crazy. Yeah, and again, I mean, what's really going to be interesting is what happens when we get Kawhi back because that'll really change things quite a bit in terms of Lamarcus's numbers. But I think the biggest thing on that number for LaMarcus is the amount of shots that he was able to get this game. It wasn't just that he was stepping up, but also the fact that he was getting the extra opportunities that TP gives us. Let's be real. By having him be the main primary ball handler, it changes things quite a bit because we're no longer playing through LaMarcus. We're no longer having to rely on that. Instead, we can let Tony be our primarily primary ball handler, play through him, and... Um, He's just able to get the guys better shots. That's what he does. That's why we have him. No doubt, no doubt. Especially because last season, Tony was the only real guy who could consistently give LaMarcus uh, the ball in the spots he wanted them. Yeah. So having him back and, you know, him still having that, but now LaMarcus is playing so much better, that's just a recipe for success, you know? Exactly. And that's why, again, I'm really interested. I keep bringing up Kawhi because that really is the real X factor in terms of this team because it's really been engineered with that in mind. It's Kawhi's team at the end of the day. So what's going to happen to LaMarcus when that happens? Because as of right now, there's no question that up to this point, the superstar of this year's Spurs team so far is LaMarcus Aldridge. So what happens when our best player comes back from injury? Honestly, we just get better, and LaMarcus, I feel, was going to play just as good. I mean, he's obviously not going to have 33 points a night. No. Uh, he's going to be more like averaging, in my opinion, the 20 points he's already averaging. But the reason why I say, I say that he's going to do just fine is because, if you look at the box score... Someone else had an absurdly high amount of points tonight. And who would that be for tonight? His name, at the ripe young age of 37, is Pau Gasol. The man who is big and knows how to play. He had 25 points. 4 of 4 from the free throw line. 3 of 5 from the 3 point line. 6 rebounds and 4 assists with 1 steal. Amongst those points... Is a four-point play. And amongst those points was a four-point play, yes. Dude, the three or five from that three-point line, though, that's crazy, especially when you consider that He's three a seasons big... ago, he wasn't even a three-point Correct. Shooter. Yeah. No, his three-point shot has become rather scary, particularly on when you're dealing with teams like the Mavs. He's able to really kind of break out and just do what he does. And that's the thing. He's consistent. And that's, that's why we have him around. And, you know, there's no need to beat the contract thing into the ground. We already have. There's no need to go there. But um, I, I'm very pleased with nights like tonight where he's really putting in the work. And it's a reminder, this is why we're committed to Pau Gasol. Right. So the reason I bring up him when talking about Kawhi is because, and the Marcus is because, Pau's never going to get 25 a night. This no. is that one night that he goes exactly. off, for like, like where we get to see a flashback. Well, I, I want to say a flashback to Prime Powell, but this isn't a flashback to Prime Powell. This is what Powell can look like when he's firing on all cylinders and has mm -hmm. it going. Everything. Well, I, sorry, I just really want to highlight his three-point play. This season, he's averaging 4.22 three-point percentage while averaging 2.4 three-point attempts per game. 
that's the most by a mile. Before that, last season, he was only averaging 1.6 attempts. And then the season before that, one attempt. And then it takes a huge drop to 0.3% attempts per game. This is crazy at how efficient he really is. Because he's making more attempts. And even though he's not making them as many, sample size does that. Mm -hmm. I mean, anytime you're above 40% on three-point, you're a great three-point shooter. Right. If you're above 45, you're elite. He's not quite elite, but he's he's a five. He's a center. You're not he's supposed, not supposed to, be to be elite. So he, the fact that he's this good is he's, crazy. Yeah. No, we definitely are seeing an evolution in his game at, again, 37? I know, right? Who does that? Especially a, a guy like him. He was very well known for his his interior play and his... You know, he's never been the most athletic guy. Not to say he wasn't athletic. These are NBA players. They're all athletic. Even if they look like they're not athletic, they're way more athletic than any of us are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was never known as a three-point shooter. And the one time they tried to get him to be a three-point shooter, he was shooting at like 30 or 20%, which is not good because that's not consistent. Right. No, but seriously, I can't just stress that how, how cool that Pau Gasol and his three-point shot is. What's crazy is that I think of him more as a three-point guy now than I think of him as a regular center, even though that's why we hired him, to be a regular center. Right. And he can still do regular center things. Oh, no, he he, he yeah. did plenty of that this game, too. Yeah, it's just it's crazy because of the way that everything's changed and the way that center play has changed even, that he does more work at the perim than he was ever supposed to. And what's really funny is that, at the same time, we've got LaMarcus playing as a center when he's supposed to hate center. And I think TJ's brought this up before, but that's because the modern center is really just a power forward. I mean, yeah, there was the argument that Tim Duncan played center for most of his career. Whether or not that's true is very much up to debate. But if he was playing in today's NBA, that would for sure be true. Because if you got that size and you've got that interior game, you're a center. Yeah. And even then, they're trying to get a lot of those stretch fives in there. Like, you know, Pau Gasol is playing more traditional center of today's game than LaMarcus is. LaMarcus yeah. is playing like old school style, which is really just traditional power forward when you think about it. Right. And I think that's why he's not had much of an issue because everyone's going smaller now. It's just more natural for him to play that. Right. You know? Yeah. Anyways, but like I was saying when I brought up Pau Gasol uh, in terms of his points, the reason why I brought him up and, and when talking about him and Kawhi and him and 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 how it affects him, how it affects Kawhi and the Marcus, is that because Powell and the Marcus were both able to have high amount of points. When Kawhi comes in, the Marcus is still going to be able to get his twenty. Mm-hmm. Kawhi is going to be able to do what Kawhi does, and Powell is going to be able to get better shots because there are going to be two more defenders trying to guard Kawhi and the Marcus, mm-hmm. and that means they're going to leave him open for the three point line, which means he'll be shooting better threes. No, yeah, that's something I was going to say. Once Kawhi comes back, honestly, I honestly believe this. This isn't Homer CJ talking. This is from what I've seen watching these Spurs. Kawhi comes back, we are a legitimate championship contender. Most people would not have said that at the beginning of the season. No. Even then, I would have hesitated to say that. I probably still would have said it, but I definitely would have been having like Spurs goggles on. Right. But we've seen LaMarcus play this way 
consistently throughout right. the whole first quarter That's of the season. That's the biggest thing. It's is... not like it's one game here or one game Mm-mm. there. It's not like this is a couple games here or there. No, he's been playing this all beginning long, and it does not look like it's slowing down. No, just the opposite. It looks like it's speeding up. And the thing is that it's not just against the bad teams that he's going off and just eating them for lunch. He's still getting his points in on some of the best teams. Right, and that's the big thing here. He's getting him consistently, and we've got a good group of guys who, yeah, not. We've got guys like Patty Mills, Kyle Anderson, Danny Green, Dejounte Murray, um, Rudy Gay. I I think he's kind of like in between them and Lamarcus. He's a little bit higher on the tier. Yeah, but we got guys who, or even Brent Forbes, like he's definitely in this tier. Guys who they're not going to drop fifteen points every night, but they have the capacity to drop fifteen points. Any night. And mm-hmm. that's a highly undervalued skill in a role player. Because that's really what you look for in a role player. You don't need a role player who's going to consistently drop 15 because then they cost too much. Right. But you want a role player who has the ability to drop 15 or 20 in when any given night. To, yeah. And we've got a ton of those guys. Absolutely. Even Davis Bertans has the ability. We don't see much of it because we've got guys who are more consistent than him. Because in the end, you want consistency. Right. We've got the problem is that they're in the sea of Danny Greens and and Patty Mills. And and then you got guys like Brandon Paul who are maybe they're not the best offensive weapons, but defensively, they're just Invaluable. brilliant. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of like why I put Rudy Gay and Danny Green in a higher tier than everyone else is because mm-hmm. they've got that offensive game. But then and they've got the defense. Rudy Gay is way more consistent offensively, so he has yeah. to be on that higher tier. And he's yeah, yeah. he's not as good defensively, but he's still very much consistent there. And then Danny Green is kind of like the reverse, where he's not as consistent offensively, but there is no better defensive player we have until Kawhi comes back. Basically. And that's just where they are in the system. Speaking of Danny Green, actually, because I was looking, both him and Kyle Anderson have 12 points this game. Bet you guys didn't even know that. No, it was one of those low-key things. Yeah. Uh, Danny Green, we'll talk about him first, then we'll shift to Kyle. Four of six, two of two from the free throw, two of three from the three-point. He actually led the team in plus-minus. Keep in mind, plus-minus is not the best stat. They're really good for individual games, but if anyone tries to use whole season plus-minus, it can only be used to supplement other stats. And that's really what it is. It's supplemental for the eye test and other stats. If mm-hmm. someone tries to use plus minus as the be all end all, stop talking to them. But he led the team in plus minus with plus 22. Wow. It, what that essentially means is that whenever he was on the court, he was that much of an asset. Right. And it, it's about efficiency. Right. Because really what plus minus is attempting to measure is how many points does the team gain with having him on the court? So by being plus 22, that's effectively saying with him on the court, he gets the team is you know gets twenty two more points. Right now, like I said, this is not the best stat because Brim Forbes has minus twenty two, and he was not playing that bad this game. Right. Some of it has to do with lineups. Danny Green's a starter, so he's playing with the best players on the team most of the time. So of course he's going to have that plus. And then Brim Forbes comes off the bench, usually with Patty Mills and or Dejounte Murray. So, of course, he's not going to have as good of a plus-minus. He also tends to play garbage time. Exactly. So, his gar- his plus-minus is going to go down significantly. So, that's why I'm saying plus-minus isn't the best, best stat ever. But it is good to... 
when someone's hot, it's good to see that indication there. It, it is something mm-hmm. that when you supplement it with other stats, it helps paint a better picture. It has a it has value. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting because you would have probably thought Lamarcus or Powell had the highest plus minus, but apparently not. Because you know defense is part of that. It's not just yeah. the the offense, but also the the defense. Not to say that Lamarcus wasn't doing work. He was doing work. Um, and then Kyle Anderson. He was four of ten, four of six from the uh, free throw, zero of two from the three point. But I like his enthusiasm. But most importantly, he had a double double. Mm-hmm. Twelve and ten. You know, twelve points, ten rebounds, five assists, two steals. Three turnovers, but you know, I, I think his his turnovers and his uh, lack of points really kind of take away from from the game he had uh, tonight. Because you look at those, you're like, yeah, that's that's a little bit rough, not great. But then you look at his defensive stats and you realize that he actually it was more of an asset on that side of the court tonight than he was. That volleyball steal pass thing was amazing. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's one of those things where stats are great, but like anything, they're supplemental to actually watching the game. It's always stats and eye test. Stats and eye test. It's where the term empty stats guys come from because they can have great numbers, but when you actually watch them, they're not that good. You can tell this just by looking at some of those really bad teams where guys you don't even know have like 15 points a game. But if you put them on a great team, they would not have nearly that many amount of points at all. Mm. All right, well, we haven't talked about the elephant in the room, so let's go ahead and talk about it because tonight was our annual Pop Gets Kicked Out night. Yeah, that's actually something that was interesting because it seems like a lot of other uh, teams' fans are starting to notice what we've always noticed, which is Pop gets ejected and the Spurs win. Yeah. It, it's crazy how that happens, don't you think? It, it, it's not even anything new. This is something that's been going on for years. Yeah, I mean, it just—it's it, just a thing that. Let's be real here. When Pop gets ejected, we know what actually happens. When Pop gets ejected, the players feel like, "Man, Pop just got ejected. We're not gonna take this line down. We're going to fight for him." And because they fight for him, they win. That's just what happens. Question: Do you think Pop does it on purpose sometimes? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes he does. I think this time he wasn't looking to get ejected until we got that first tech. Then he just said, screw it. Yeah, no, I th- this one was a deliberate statement one. This wasn't about rallying the troops at all. Not no, I have time. seen those before. Oh, no, those exist. Not this one. This one was entirely just him venting his own frustration because this is the upteenth game where there has been a blatant disrespect for the actual rules where the refs have botched a call and not even remotely considered to change it. And in this case, you had something where you actually showed the actual moment on the Jumbotron where the entire arena knew that Pop was right and that it was supposed to be Spurs ball. That is literally tar, feather, and egg on the face. And he wanted them to know that because this is an issue, like we were talking on the previous episode, that it has been absolutely plaguing the league. I don't think that's an exaggeration at this point. I mean, yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, let's be honest. Every year we say that the refing is terrible. Sometimes it's hyperbole. 
Last year wasn't. Oh, no doubt. Last year was by far the worst. Having watched for three seasons at three you know, full seasons at varying degrees, last mm-hmm. year was by far the worst period. Yeah, I, I w- will say so far that this season hasn't been as um, No, it's definitely been bad an improvement, so far. but I still wouldn't call it good either when it comes to the refing. Yeah, I, I we've been beating this topic to a dead horse multiple times, but I still stand on the inexperience portion of it. Like I said, they lost a ton of guys in, in, in you know over the past few seasons. So it also doesn't help that players are legitimately trying to get the refs to get calls their way by pretty much any means necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's how the game's evolved, unfortunately. Yeah, and the it's not. It's nothing new. Every other sport pretty much has it. I mean, soccer flops. Yeah, that that's all you gotta know. But it's just you know it. We we can complain about them, but we also have to understand they're trying their hardest. They're gonna mess up, and sometimes they mess up hard, and they need, and they mess up at like the easiest things that they can reverse, and they don't, and that's when we do have to have pop yell at them. But at the same time, we also have to understand this is in the heat of the moment in the game. Things are gonna happen. Players are gonna do things to try to get you to call it their way on both sides. It's it's just you're gonna have to roll with it sometimes. Honestly, I'll be more angry if this kind of stuff happens during a playoff game. Because part of the part of the reason why I'm not too upset is it's still the first quarter of the season. Right. You know, it's still you know they still got time to tighten it up. But if they were a playoff game, that's when I'll get livid because mm-hmm. that kind of stuff seriously affects the the impact of the game. It seriously impacts who's going to win and who's not. And when you get that call wrong, you're the guy who everyone's going to blame for the game getting screwed up, especially if it was a two-point win. The hardest part about, about it is that this is one of those moments where you look at it and you're like, no, that was 100% a botched call. And really is an easy one. I think that that's really what got Pop's goat was that it really was a very basic call. And at this point in in the season, we're starting to get really close to where it's like, okay, that kind of botching that kind of call is getting closer and closer to unacceptable at this point because of where we're at in the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I'm trying to get to is just kind of the the heart of what Pop was trying to do because this really seemed like it was more motivated about improving the league rather than it being about, you know, not getting their way or trying to amp up the guys because we know that he does that, but I do feel like this is more of a statement. And I'm kind of venting a lot of the frustrations I think all the coaches are having right now. Yeah, I could see that, you know, because, I mean... We're sports fans, and every sports fan inherently feels like the refs have it against their team, even if that is not even remotely true. Right. We all believe it anyways. It's it's one of the funniest things ever, just seeing a sports fan go nuts over how crooked the refs are, even though we're up by 12. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So true. But, yeah, I I do think that the, uh, the coaches themselves, I don't think they care too much about that, um, unless it's a playoff game, like I said. But I do think they do care about trying to improve it over the season and just letting them know when they get things wrong. Because, you know, if you don't tell them what they're doing wrong, how are they going to get it right later on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will say with, with 
um, regards to how the Spurs always seem to win when Pop gets ejected. I, I, I've already mentioned um, how, you know, that's probably because the team wants to win because, you know, Pop just got ejected. We got to get, get it together and win. But I also think part of that is also due to the fact that the coaching staff is so good that Pop knows that even if he does get ejected, he has people on the bench that can, you know, pick up the stack for him. Yeah, no doubt. We definitely have one of the best coaching staffs in the league, bar none, in terms of support staff. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about this game before we move on? Dork played well considering the stages that in his career. Yeah, that's something actually I was thinking about because it's only really now hitting me just how old Dork and Mommy are. Yeah. Because like last season, Mommy seemed to be like the fountain of youth every game he played. And I didn't see too much of Dirk, so I didn't really get to see whether or not his fall from grace had been that bad in terms of, you know, just age. This year, it's very apparent, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I, it's, oh, yeah. It would be sad if it weren't for the fact that I'm just glad I get to see them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were multiple times that he would be going for his shot, his patented shot, and he missed it. And it was like, this is weird. This is Dirk. He never misses that. And then you got Manu, who's going for those crazy last-second three-point shots that he's used to, you know, because it's not even like they're half-court. They're like yeah. as close to the line as possible that normally he'll make, and he doesn't, you know. It's just, you know, it's dawning on me just how old they actually are in terms of the league, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's really more of just enjoy while they're playing because we don't know how much longer they have left. Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing about this game I want to bring up before we wrap up talking about this game was actually one of my favorite plays. That ridiculous Kyle Anderson double pump fake before oh he my goes. That was God. the most hilarious thing. I literally laughed out loud when it happened. The replay right afterwards was even better because it, they showed... They showed a, like a replay, like two different replays, but the first replay they showed was from him from behind his back. Where he goes, where they show him going up at four, and they show the version full speed. Then it's a pump fake, and one guy, you know, bites on it, and it slows down to show him pump faking as the guy goes past him. Then it speeds back up, back up, three hundred style, and then slows down, and then speeds back up to show him getting it into the basket for the end one. That was like that's what killed me that they did it like three hundred style mm-hmm. with the slow down, speed up, slow down, the ramping. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just great with that we play. No, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite plays this game. It was just it was just fun, you know, because there are a lot of great plays out there in the NBA. It's definitely a highlight reel sport because you know there's there's sports like football and baseball where they can have great moments, but there are few and far between. With, you know, basketball made specifically have, like, great moments peppered throughout the entire game. Right. And, you know, that's just one of those that stands out even among those just because it's not something you'll see all the time, especially with a guy like Kyle Anson, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what's great about it is that it's just pure fundamentals. Okay, moving on. Um, is there anything outside of the league you guys want to talk about? You mean outside of the Spurs? I mean outside inside the, Spurs, the league. Yes. Inside the league, the rest of the league, I should. Because if we're talking outside of the league, I could go off on Star Wars, but I think inside the league, you inside, the league, the, inside league. the league, inside the league, inside the league. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the first first firing, man. Uh, it's not the first firing; it's just the latest firing. Okay, latest firing in like, the what? It, okay, how many how many coaches have we fired so far as uh, a league? As Head a coaches. league, I think it's like three or four. I thought it was only two. 
I could have sworn we were at three. Well, regardless, the most recent victim is one that we're a bit too familiar with, aren't we? Yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies have fired head coach David Fisdale. I guess he did get rooked after all. Ooh. Ouch. Take that for data, question mark. Oh, did you guys hear who the interim head coach was named? No, who is it? Who? He was also the interim head coach for the Houston Rockets when Kevin McHale got fired. Oh, my God. J.B. Biggerstaff. Hmm. Yeah, people are making the joke, the obvious joke, that Biggerstaff does it again. (laughs) Oh, what were were some of these other great ones? Uh, He's back. (laughs) (laughs) And... Uh, this guy again, bigger staff has got to be the goat interim coach. <laughs> oh, have a coaching problem? What's hilarious is all these Houston flares, Houston guys <laughs> talking about it. Good luck, signed Houston Rockets fan. Oh man, it's too bigger staff. <laughs> it, it's hilarious. I don't. You know, it's just one of those crazy coincidences where he just so happens to be the assistant coach. <laughs> Of this team, yeah, he just he's he's there solely to stab the guy that's up top, knock you down your infinite pit. I I I honestly don't think he contributed to it. I think he just no. happens to be in the no. position. It, it, I'm I'm rather positive that that's what's going on as well. Um, so here's the the big specula- speculation yeah, that, because Marcus Saul was apparently not happy uh-huh. before they fired him, so. Some people are wondering if maybe Gasol got him fired. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of possibility to that. I think that that might have a lot to do with it when you consider that Mark Gasol's been their bread and butter for as long as he has been. Um, it's important to keep the star players happy. Um, and the other thing is that you know, Fizz isn't fully established yet at the time, so. You know that that's where you run into things. Who's who's actually the the bigger, more important piece over there? And I think we have the answer for that pretty definitively right now. If that is indeed the reason, is there any other possible reason they could have been getting rid of him? We know for a fact that they were on an eight-game losing streak. Right. So chances are the front office wanted to make a change because they believed something was not working. Right. So the question was probably in their mind, who do we blame? We can't blame Conley because he's injured. Right. So he's clearly not the problem. And we can't blame Gasol because... He's too consistent, I guess. I don't know. And then, theoretically, we can't blame the head coach because he's still too new. Right. Remember, he only was in his... He's had this job for maybe two seasons. If you count this season. (laughs) Right. So, he was the fall guy, honestly. Yeah. I think, honestly, the the Grizzlies' biggest problem is that they're not tanking. Either blow it up or it's spent, spend money. Yeah. And they're not doing either. The thing is that they were doing fine when they had Mike Conley, but after we got, he got injured, there was nothing really else they can do. Yeah, but let's be honest here. No one expects them to get past round one in the playoffs. No, I don't think anyone ever did, to be perfectly honest. So, honestly, they need to either tank it or they need to spend more money. Yeah, I mean, you're in that... You're There is nothing worse than being in the quote-unquote mid-card the of the NBA. The small market 
purgatory, as people like to call it. Yeah, it's it's literally the worst place to be, and they're in it. Because they're not bad enough to get lottery draft picks, but they're not good enough to get anywhere in the playoffs. Well, hopefully that'll change next year. But yeah, so that's that's interesting. You know, the thing that it, it, that always bugged me, I'm going to bring it up now because I've never had a good chance to talk about it. You know who was their head coach before Fizdale? Yeah, Dave Yeager. Yeah, and you know what always bugged me? The way they got rid of him? Yeah, it made no sense for them to get rid of him. Because he, he pulled off the greatest coach job of that season, with the exception of, no, 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 the Heat was the year after. I was about to say. The, the Heat was the year after. And the he, reason why is because they were playing very well. Then they had both Gasol and Conley injured. And yet he still got them to the playoffs. Yeah, it's like if you can if you can get a team to the playoffs after you lose your superstars and you know that you it have wasn't no even right just to be the there. superstars. They had like the most players under contract of the NBA that season, just because of the amount of twelve day contracts they had to give out because of how many uh-huh. injuries they had, and they still made it to the playoffs. That's he what we call solid. Literally coaching. coached a freaking D League team to the playoffs, and they fired him. Afterwards, because you know that's that's the best way to handle it, right? That made no sense to me, and there wasn't even any word about Gasol or Conley not liking him. So mm-hmm. I don't know what what even compelled them to do that. And the fact that they they've done this a second time, man, they're 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 trying to. Be, it's like they're trying to become the Kings, man. Ouch. And where is Dave Yeager working right now? The Kings. But you know why the Kings got him? Because they're tanking? No, but you know why they got him specifically. Why? It is because they're tanking, but as the Sixers have proven, when you tank, you want a coach who is going to create culture. Mm -hmm. A good culture. Because that way, when you're good, that coach can use that culture that is built in those bad years to make you an even better team. And there's nothing, and there's no team right now, no organization in the NBA that needs that more than the Sacramento Kings. No doubt. And the thing is, the Sixers are proving that that's viable. Because even though they're not, like, the greatest team ever right now, mm-hmm. you know, they're still with their young guys building them up. But Brett Brown's done a really good job with that culture and helping them do well. I mean, they're still fifth seed in the East. Mm-hmm. These are the guys who were the worst team in the East last year. Yeah, that's yeah. a massive improvement. Well, okay, second worst. I forgot about the Nets. But the Nets are in purgatory because they sold, sold all their... Uh, Top draft picks, picks to the, forever. I think that actually ends next draft, I believe. Right. This is when they can finally, finally get some of that stuff for being so bad. Part of the problem with the Nets is also they're actually way better than you think they are when they have Jeremy Lin. But he's been injured a lot, too. Like, it's crazy seeing how good they get with Jeremy Lin on the court. Uh-huh. And then with Jeremy Lin off the court. You mean they actually, you know, engineered the team around him? And didn't count on the fact that, you know, he was going to get hurt? Yeah, and what's crazy is his, the injuries he's getting are these fluke injuries that no one could see coming. It's crazy. It's it's. I hate to say it, but it's typical Jeremy Lin. Nothing against the guy at all. I actually rather like him, but you know, it's it's a pattern at this point. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's it's hard when it comes to quote unquote injury proneness, because sometimes these guys go through like years where they get injuries, and then they can go like a decade without ever getting an injury. I mean, look at Tim Duncan with his knee. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard's kind of doing that right now because he had his problem back in 2015. 
2014-2015. And now he's, you know, he's off the show on the shelf right now. Right. So it's like I'm not one to say like even Mike Conley right now. Like I'm not mm-hmm. one to say though that guy's injury prone. But you know, because sometimes that's just the way it is. They're athletes. They're using their body all the time. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Anyone who uses that all the time. I mean, heck, even uh, regular people who don't really exercise too much, the reason why they have knee problems when they're in their old age is because of how much they walk. Right. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to immediately go straight to the injury-prone thing. Uh, there are some people yeah. who are. But that that's over a very long period of time. I'm not ready to call it just yet. Okay, anything else around the, the league you guys want to talk about? Not really. I mean, when it comes to the state of the league, it's all fine. Although, I do remember reading, like, I think it was a couple of weeks ago that I only just now remembered. Uh, didn't Derek Rose get injured, like, badly for the Cavs? Actually, he straight up has left them right now. Really? He left them? Yeah, he's, what's the story behind that? Essentially, he's either injured or playing so bad that he's taking a sabbatical. Okay. Oh, man. And he's seriously contemplating whether he even wants to come back. Not wow. because he hates the team, but because he's not playing well at all. Mm-hmm. And it's either because he got injured or because he's playing bad. By the way, he's not playing well. The Cavs are hopeful that he'll come back. And they expect him to come back, but who knows? It's just, you know, it's one of those things. The dude has been, ever since he had that injury, which one was it specifically? I can't remember. I want to say it, it was a knee injury. Yeah, I want to say that too. But, you know, he's, this is a guy who won an MVP. Yeah. yeah, this is the guy that's the literal definition of glass cannon in the NBA, though. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, though. Some people argue that the MVP he got was only because people got tired of voting LeBron. Which, yeah, voter fatigue is a thing. But at the same time, you don't get it without being... There's always two or three guys who you could say should be MVP, and their argument is so good that you kind of think they should be. I mean, look at last season with, uh, you know... Shoot, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi, mm-hmm. even LeBron had a legitimate argument, or even Kevin Durant. The only reason Kevin Durant didn't win was because he was playing on the Warriors, right? Which yeah. I do think is valid. You know, when you're playing with that many good players, how much of it is you and how much of it is them? It goes back to that plus-minus thing, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I I feel bad for the guy, but. You know, I hope he gets better, and even even if he doesn't come back, I hope that he's at peace with that at least. I'd rather he be at peace with being retired than him coming back and not feeling happy. Just because, you know, that that's the kind of thing that leads to serious depression. Yeah, and you don't want that for any of these guys. No, you don't, you don't want that for any human being. Because that's the kind of stuff that, you know, literally kills lives. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I wish the best for him, and I hope he, uh, whatever he does, he finds, you know, he's comfortable. With Peace whatever. about that decision, basically. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, what's the next game coming up? Do you yeah, guys know? what is the next game? Um, let's double-check the schedule. Oh, oh okay, it's, uh, it's the Grizzlies. <laughs> and then the game after that is the Grizzlies. Take that for data, huh? Back-to-back? Well, 
not back to back because we have, I think, a day's what uh day for travel. Oh, but it's one of those it's where much. it's we play in San Antonio and then we play in uh, Memphis, huh? Yeah. I expect us to win both. I expect the first one to be a massacre and the second one for them to get better just because they will have at least a game with their previous head coach. I mean, with, I mean, with bigger staff as their new head coach. I think it's going to be very interesting just because of the fact that, yeah, they, they are playing with an interim coach and now they're going up against us and we have a history of beating them. So, yeah, that'll be a very interesting game. Yeah, um, apparently Kawhi's going to be returning soon. Uh, December is where we're looking at, so that's always going to be great. Also, to the uh, dude on RNBA Spurs, I guess you really did talk to Tony Parker's dad because he did return on Monday. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Congrats. Sorry, it's just whenever I read that, I was so like, did he seriously say he talked to Tony Parker's dad? Yeah, no, I. that was my reaction too. I'm like, yeah, sure. But uh, he uh, returned on the day he said he returned, so I guess he, he really did. did. All right. All right, hats off to you, man. It was funny. Parker uh, apparently played with uh, Kawhi. He did practice, and he said that Kawhi would be back in a couple of weeks. Pop says he was not going to consult Dr. Pop Parker on Kawhi's timeline. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's how it is. Did someone actually ask the question that, let's be honest, we were all kind of thinking? Mm-hmm. Seriously, what the heck was wrong with Aldridge last season? He's banging in the paint. His pop shot is better than his clutches. Bleep. He's, dare I say, better than Portland Aldridge. So what the hell was his problem last season? Yeah, I mean, that's it's a good question. And I think that at the end of the day, it was a combination of health issues because we know he was dealing with that for sure last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely a factor. Uh, dissatisfaction with the way that he was being treated with, from a, a purely basketball standpoint. And um, Pop submitted to that just as much. And then I think the other big factor is the fact that, uh, you know, he, he never really got those touches. I think that's the biggest thing is that he just wasn't getting the ball enough to really deliver. And when he was finally getting the ball... It was too late. He already hit his momentum for the season. And yeah. the, other, the other thing is that he was also hitting a sophomore slump. Let's face it, that that's a real thing. That second year in whatever you're doing, it's always like, well, is this all it is? The shine's worn off and yeah. you're not really doing any better than where you were before or what you were doing before. So you're like, you know, it's, it's one of those things you have to get over. Some people yeah. get over it rather quickly. Some people don't, you know? Yeah, and for him, it's like, yeah, I'm home in Texas, but what am I doing? Yeah, and the thing is that about Lamarcus is that he said himself he is a rhythm confidence player. If he doesn't get those shots, he doesn't build up his confidence. And if he doesn't have confidence, his shots, doesn't matter how many shots he's going to get afterwards, if he doesn't build it up, he's not going to be able to make them. So Mm -hmm. by, by... Giving him the shots already by playing the way we've been playing, by giving him the shots he needs in his spots, will allow him to build his confidence to the point where now he can just pretty much do whatever he wants yeah. on the court, and he's giving it his all on both sides. He is playing hard, great defense, and he's playing amazing offense, just as great as he's ever been. 
honestly, I say this, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. This is very much reminds me of how uh, Manu used to be, where Manu needed to learn the system, and Pop also needed to learn how to let Manu be Manu inside the system. Yeah, and it's kind of the same thing where Lamarcus needed some time to learn the system and truly understand what the system is, and Pop needed some time to truly understand how can I let Lamarcus be Lamarcus, but still have it be in the system. Because you know, like we mentioned, those two turnovers Manu had, we just expect those because mm-hmm. that's what Manu does. It's not that he turns over the ball a ton, but he makes these risky, high-risk, high-reward plays. Right. It's just his his play style. Exactly. It's, LaMarcus is very much one of those guys who he has to get his touches. And even if he just you know passes them back out, as long as he gets his touches, he's good. And he gets them in his spots, and you play with those spots in mind. But when you really look at the spots he has, they are very conducive to our style of play once you truly in- integrate them. Mm-hmm. It's not immediate. You have to really think about it. And I think that's why it's taken this long for us to truly crack the puzzle. But once you crack the puzzle, it's very hard to stop mm-hmm. because this is one of the reasons why I honestly think when Kawhi's come back, we're just going to be a better team because you get LaMarcus in that low post then someone t- spends the double team. But let's say you've got uh, the starting five of Parker, Green, Leonard, Aldridge, and Gasol. Who do you double off of, man? At that point, you know that whoever you double off of, there's a one in five chance you're picking the right mark. Because it's like you double off of Kawhi. Yeah, good luck. You're just giving giving us a point. The points. You double off Gasol, and we'll try to swing it around to him for the three. Double off Danny, you'll try swinging him around for three. And the thing is, both of them have inside games. Danny has can dribble now, and Powell's infamous for his inside game. So that's already a risky proposition. The closest guy you could get is Tony. And if he comes back even like half of what he was last year, that's going to be a nightmare still. Honestly, from what I've seen from this game, even with his limited minutes, you double off a Tony, he'll just go straight and get a layup. <laughs> Who just drive and get a layup? Yeah, even his uh, maybe even a floater. Even his elbow shot was good. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, who do you double off of? And that's what's crazy about this team that I love about this team that it's very hard. You can make compelling cases for a lot of our players that who do you double off of? And the answer is you don't. And if you don't double, well, that means the Marcus is just gonna make a shot because he can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be uh very interesting to see. As things go on. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to say before we head out? No, not that I can think of. Uh, nah, me neither. Alright, so uh, any last words? Go Spurs go. You know how to play. Way to be big, pal. Take care, guys. <laughs>